Are you ready for this? Go! Listen to today's best mix. Playing on RX Radio. Groove Cafe. It is the Groove Cafe on RX Radio, and I am Crystal Newman. Always looking forward to hearing from my guests, especially when they know how to pock pock people, pock pock society, because the truth is sometimes quite bitter. Mm? I have a medical doctor and a certified functional medicine practitioner here who is specializing in nutrition, functional, and lifestyle medicine. He is the author of the book Eat Your Way to Wellness. And if you follow Dr. Kasenene on Twitter, then he makes you feel guilty about so many things, but in particular, your lifestyle and your nutrition. So I do have Dr. Paul Kasenene joining me today. Welcome to the Groove Cafe. Thank you, Crystal. Happy to be here. It's lovely to see you. I was just saying, as soon as you walked in, you have this vibrant energy about you. I was just like, whoa. I don't know if anyone has ever said that to you before. Yeah, a couple of people have. Mm -hmm. Um, I think you do the right things in the morning, then you'll have the right energy. Okay. Do you work out in the morning? Yes. Ah, first thing? First thing in the morning, drink water, Mm -hmm. work out, then um, have more water. Then I'll have my breakfast about 10 o'clock or 11 o'clock. And um, yeah, get enough sleep. So, Mm -hmm. but I think the best energy comes from, you know, being grateful and, you know, breathing fresh air. Simple things like that. Attitude. (laughs) Attitude as well. Mm -hmm. Um, I like that you talked about drinking water. That's the one thing I swear by. I love drinking water. People look at me like, really? How can you prefer water to other things? Especially water with some lemon in the morning. That for me is my thing. And then a cold shower. I like to have a cold shower as well. Fantastic. So is there anything, any benefits to cold water or hot <laughs> water? You see, I've jumped straight in. <laughs> so yes, actually, interestingly, um, you know, our bodies like to be exposed to small amounts of stress. It mm-hmm. kind of like kickstarts our immune system, kickstarts our energy systems. And so when you take a cold shower, mm-hmm. your body actually feels like, okay, um, this is a little bit of a difficult moment. Let me just jumpstart my energy systems and my immune system. Mm -hmm. But more importantly, it activates a compound called glutathione, which is the master antioxidant. Okay. So Mm -hmm. it helps you to stay younger, look better, feel more energized. It's actually a longevity trick. If you want to live longer, take cold showers in the morning. Yay, I've got my happy dance going on. (laughs) (laughs) At least one of the things I'm doing right. So can you take us back in your journey? Because one of the things that you've shared is you had your own personal transformation before you started to really focus on lifestyle and nutrition. Before we even get to your personal transformation, what's your background? Were you born in Uganda, raised here? Yeah, so I was born in Uganda, Mm -hmm. um, but I grew up in Swaziland. I spent the first 14 years of my life in Swaziland, then came back in 1994 from a family of um, four children, I'm the third born, three boys, one girl. Mm-hmm. Um, my dad was a university lecturer. My mom was a nurse. Um, retired now. Mm-hmm. Went to high school, um, Udo, O-level and A-level, mm-hmm. Kerry University. Did a small stint at Cambridge University for um, part of my elective training. And then I did my functional medicine training um, in the United States. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So was medicine always a path for you? Interestingly, not. But I think uh, my mom being a nurse kind of encouraged me to, you know, take up this journey. I actually wanted to be an accountant. What? 
Yeah, I like no. money. I loved uh, I loved numbers <laughs> and money. I was very good at that. I like But I that. also loved people. So my mom encouraged me and, you know, mm-hmm. and I loved children. So actually I wanted to be a um a pediatric heart surgeon. A pediatric heart surgeon. Yeah. Oh wow. Okay. And then somewhere along the way, how did you decide? So Because I know you first, you know, become a general doctor before you specialize. Yeah, so what happened is after I finished medical school and my internship, mm-hmm. um, there was this opportunity to work in an HIV research facility mm. called Moju. Mm-hmm. And um, so I said, let me just give it a shot and see, let me apply. But the salary was very, very like tempting. I mean, coming out of medical school mm. at the time, 2005, doctors earned maybe at most a million shillings a month. And here mm-hmm. they were paying in dollars. I mean, thousands of dollars. It was like a crazy amount. So suddenly I got corrupted by money. <laughs> and I forgot about my dream of being a, a pediatric heart surgeon for a number of years. Mm-hmm. So there I was working at an HIV research facility, desk job, almost like what most people do. Mm-hmm. Seeing patients, but sitting a lot, not walking around like you do in a hospital. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so after about two to three years, two years later, I get married, which is a good thing. Mm-hmm. Then I began putting on weight. Um, partly Listen, there. when people start to say, ah, oh, she's looking after you. Huh? Life is good. Yeah, actually, it's true. <laughs> and also people are like, now you look like a doctor because all my life I was small. And then suddenly I was gaining weight, a little bit of a pot belly there. And oh, like, wow. Now you look like a doctor. Now you look like a doctor. And actually, I was happy because I was always small. So I really wanted to be a little bit bigger. Mm-hmm. But then I stopped feeling well, you know. You're not sick, but you don't feel well. Like you feel heavy yeah, you and feel sluggish. And, and, mm-hmm. and so one day I went to run because I was always athletic in, at university and school. Okay. But I struggled in a way that made me realize I don't think everything is right, especially with my heart. Mm. So I went to see a doctor that I worked with. And um, he took my blood pressure, did some blood tests, cholesterol, and my Blood pressure was 140 over 90. Okay, 139 over 90, which is like, I can remember the figure exactly, which is borderline high, like mm-hmm. pre-hypertension. Like 90 is high. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I was very shocked. Um, and you were only in your 20s, right? Yeah, I was 28. I remember I was 28 and um, I remember my wife, I used to work with my wife, she was laughing at me. And then my cholesterol was also high because mm. I used to, my break was, you know, standard. I used to have chapati, meat samosas and eggs every day. <laughs> <laughs> For break? For break. That was my break with milk, tea and sugar. Definitely. So Mm. this guy looks at my results, gets a notepad and prescribes for me a cholesterol-lowering drug, a statin. And he says, you know, your pressure is borderline high. And if you don't get it down, we'll have to start you on drugs. And then he said, and you know the drill. Meaning, if you start, you don't stop. Mm -hmm. And I was 28 and I was like, no way, I'm not going to start medication. Mm Mm-hmm. But I had never known what it's like to be a patient, you know, on the other side of the table. Mm-hmm. And you're being told you're going to take drugs all your life. Now, this is stuff doctors do all the time. Mm-hmm. And I don't think patients like to hear that. But I was on the other side being told you're going to take drugs. I had done it many times before. Mm-hmm. But I had never really felt, you know, empathy for the patients. It's like, it's just another person. Just write the drugs, take the prescription. And off you go. That's your you life. <laughs> So there I was and I was like, no way, I can't be doing this at 28. If I was 45, maybe, mm-hmm. but 28, no. So one day I randomly tell my sister-in-law who lives in New Jersey that, you know what, I have this issue. She's like, oh, don't worry, there's this crazy doctor called Joel Furman. Why crazy? 
She's like, well, because he's like, he's more radical than I am. I mean, I don't think I'm radical, but he told me not to eat cooked food for seven days. That was his prescription to me. As in, what, fruits and carrots and yeah. cucumbers and... And smoothies and uh, stuff like that. So actually, most of my patients I see today, that's my first prescription. Really? Like, if you can, spend seven days no cooked food. So I thought I was going to die, but I'm like, let me just try anyhow, <laughs> because, I mean... This guy is crazy. So, because I'm one of the guys who really doesn't give up and I can push myself to do anything. Mm-hmm. So I did. It was very hard, I must say. But I remember that towards the end of the seven days, I began feeling alive in the morning because I really struggled to wake up in the morning. Hmm. And now I felt like I could wake up at 5 a.m. and I feel refreshed, energized. I don't need an alarm clock. There's some benefits to this. Hmm. So, intrigued, I read his book. Eat to live, mm-hmm. and I began to follow the principles. Okay. And um, three months later, my wife is like, you know, you no longer rub your nose in the morning. But you I used to have like allergies. Very bad allergies. Oh. Mm-hmm. And um, she's like, I don't have to push you in the night to position you because you know sometimes you're sleeping and you know you're you're snoring, you're snoring <laughs> and stuff like that. Yeah. She's like, it's gone, and I was like, okay. And then um, about a year later, I realized I wasn't using my inhalers anymore. And that's when I was like, okay, this is interesting. So you were also asthmatic? Yes, Mm -hmm. since childhood. And I had so many inhalers, not because I was so sick. Let's say I wasn't very organized. So I needed to have an inhaler everywhere just in case I get an attack. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So one day I go to my dad's farm and I forget to take my inhaler. And I'm like, oh my goodness, because there's dust. It's going to be a rough two days. And it wasn't. It was like a normal time. And I was like, wow. This is like three months into No, now this is about coming to a year. Okay, but you had changed your whole lifestyle. Yeah, not radically, by the way, mm-hmm. but I had um, made significant changes. No sugar, no bread, no chapati, no cake, no milk. Wait, no... wait, 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 wait. Did you say no sugar? Yeah, I mean, that like was a, at all? Like at all. I mean, I had dumped it. I was still eating like white rice and I was still eating, you know, chicken. And, but I had made big enough changes. Mm-hmm. And then I actually realized, you know what, this is what patients want. Mm-hmm. They don't want to have a good Dr. Kasenene who's going to give them you know the best medication they would rather be healthy at this point i was so passionate about this stuff like i was going crazy i would tell everybody i met about <laughs> it like you need to change what you eat mm-hmm. although i was crazy so one day i'm like you know what i'm going to leave my job and i'm going to start doing you know wellness education oh wow that and was a big step yes it was actually quite frightening because at that time i mean the payment there was really good i mean mm-hmm. i don't want to say what it was but Clearly. <laughs> By today's standards, it was really good. And they paid in US dollars. So, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. every time the dollar went up, it didn't matter because your salary went. Yeah. So I said, no, I have to quit. So I left my job, set it up, wellness clinic. And um, but people would just come running in. But nope, people were not interested. You know, people were like, no, that's too hard. You know, we'd rather go to the doctor. So I went to corporate organizations and I would give them free sessions. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I would tell them about my story and... What I found was that people who could relate or who had issues and were tired of medications or wanted another way out would actually say, let me give it a shot. Okay. Mm-hmm. And most people got better. Okay. And so they began to tell more people and more people. And that's really how the journey progressed. And I began to study more about nutrition because um, at that point I was really just using basic knowledge from what I learned from Joel Thurman. And then I did functional medicine, mm-hmm. which really intrigued me because... 
there's this whole movement about people, you know, doctors getting fed up about having long queues mm-hmm. and not just refilling meds. Can you explain what functional medicine is? So functional medicine is a branch of medicine where you're looking to understand the root cause of problems mm-hmm. and what um, the dysfunction is that makes people unwell. And to address the root cause and the dysfunction, not to treat the symptom mm-hmm. of the problem. Mm-hmm. Because most time if you have diabetes and you're in metformin, you're just treating the high blood sugar. If you have high blood pressure and you're on losartan, you're just treating the high blood pressure. Um, not- I've heard of cases where a lot of people say a lot of abdominal issues are sometimes related to maybe emotional problems. Is that kind of a bit in that direction as well? Yes. Spot on, mm-hmm. um, because uh, most gut health, because the gut is the emotional brain. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so, you know, like uh, usually one of the underlying factors is stress. So if you have emotional issues, stress issues, or if you're just, uh, let me say, a very loving, giving person, mm-hmm. you find that your gut becomes very sensitive and then certain foods cause inflammation, which can lead to all kinds of medical diagnoses like IBS and ulcers and heartburn. Mm-hmm. But really the issue is that there's maybe an emotional issue that you need to deal with. And there's always an imbalance that you also need to understand. What's happening There's inflammation. So inflammation is your body's response to an injury. Let's give you things like turmeric to calm down the inflammation. Mm -hmm. While we are also trying to address the stressful situation and then eat well. And then the holistic approach then ensures that many people can actually um, slowly get off their meds and even reverse their conditions. Wow. Yeah. Okay, so you said that you know it was a very frightening decision for you to decide to just branch out on your own and focus on wellness. And in the beginning, people were like, Mm-mm, "This is too hard." When did you start to see people, you know, start to make a turnaround? So about um, two years into doing this, mm-hmm. I'm actually almost quit doing it because <laughs> even some of the doctors I told are like, "You know, we tried and we failed." But I was so passionate. Mm-hmm. About two years into doing this, I realized, you know what, I should start with my family. My mom was one of the people I helped first because she also had asthma and she was really struggling. She was bigger. And, you know, when I was so passionate about this, I remember one day seeing her on a chair and she's struggling to breathe. Mm. And I'm like, you know, you need to stop drinking this milk tea and sugar. And she's like, I'm so old, leave me alone. And, then, <laughs> and so I tell her, you know what, you could die in the chair. And she cried. She literally cried. Mm. And my dad was there and he was so pissed off with me. And he's like, how can you say that to your mother? I'm like, but the problem is right in front of her. So he asked me, what do you want her to do? He said, just too much I want to do and I'll make sure she does it. So I'm like, okay, let's do a diet change and do some stuff. Mm-hmm. So two months later, she's so much better. She can walk to church even. She's lost so much weight. So she just put back the fire. I mean, she told so many people she would organize like sessions oh. at a hotel, <laughs> invite her friends. And then the word began to spread. Mm-hmm. So that's when I we put in more effort in what we do. We actually moved. Because that time we were actually working from my dad's hotel in Bogolovi. Got a place in Bogolovi where we still are today. Mm-hmm. Now it's about maybe 2012, around there. Mm-hmm. And uh, we decided to just be more proactive in trying to get the message out. Yeah, so we started helping people. And what I realized is once you help one person, they'll tell the next person and the next person. And yeah. And then a few years later... You know, our Functional Medicine Institute is so big on educating people. So mm-hmm. they made sure that I got onto social media. I really disliked social media prior to 2017. <laughs> yeah, it was a necessary evil. Yeah, it, I remember my first tweet on Chapati. Mm-hmm. Kampala went crazy. <laughs> I remember that. I had to delete it. <laughs> you deleted it? <laughs> I did it and then oh I remember Robert Kalshenga called me like, why you delete the post? I'm like, guys are going crazy. <laughs> it's like, no. 
Just answer, guys. No, it's like, how dare you attack Chapati? You are attacking, like, you know, my one true love, my one true joy when it comes to diet. Because we do love our wheats and we love our Chapati. But, I mean, you talked about, like, things like just sugar, um, Mm. milk tea, which so many people love. Um, So many things. I think also one of the things we've seen a lot is a lot more fried food over the last, I don't know, 10, 20 years. We used to eat more healthy and now... I mean, fast food is available yeah. everywhere around us. So a lot of the things we eat, and then you you mentioned a holistic approach, also in terms of, I think, exercise, all of that, right? So yeah. you said if you sat down with a patient, first mm. thing you'd look at is the diet. Yes. Then where would you go from there? So um, we look at what we call the predisposing factors, the things that actually, you know, are going to help you get better or are going to stop you from getting better Mm -hmm. and usually it's exercise it's uh, a lot of the stuff is actually to do with um, stress management and emotional wellness um, hydration and sleep so these are the the five things that diet exercise water uh, sleep and stress management if you deal with these five things Mm -hmm. usually you can deal with 80% of the problems sometimes you have to go a bit more medical Mm -hmm. is there a hormonal imbalance you know is there something in your immune system that we need to optimize? Um, ultimately, we're still doctors, although most people think we're nutritionists. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But um, yeah, so that's the approach that we take. It's very customized because everybody is, is so different. different. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's very rewarding because at the end of the day, people do get better. Yeah, so that's kind of the approach that we use. We have an evaluation form. Because, you know, sometimes you're with a client and sometimes you're struggling to understand what their problem really is. Okay. Because they have so many things they are telling you and they're sometimes they're all over the place and they're going back 10 years now. So we've learned to be able to, you know, to understand what may be the problem by picking up trends, you know. So I can ask you just 10 questions and I can actually have a good idea what may be the issue and so we can then have a guided discussion that mm-hmm. is more meaningful mm-hmm. yeah. isn't it challenging that a lot of people self-diagnose as well I mean you go to the pharmacy and you're like I'm feeling like this I'm feeling like that they give you something you feel a certain type of way and then you go online and I was laughing the other Dr. day I had Google. an issue with my eye um, my vision just suddenly got blurred in one mm. eye and I went online and she was like cancer all the links were like cancer. I'm like, oh my God, what is happening? But I'm sure when people sit down, they're like, I think I have A, B, C, D. Isn't that quite a challenge? <laughs> it is. But for part of the therapeutic process, it's important to listen. Mm-hmm. Because if a patient doesn't feel like they've been listened to, sometimes they don't feel like you actually help them. Mm-hmm. So sometimes you've got to listen so that someone can feel that you understood them. Personally, I like to ask um, questions like, tell me what you're feeling, not what you think the problem you have mm-hmm. is. Because sometimes, oh, I think I have ulcers. I'm like, so what? I mean, <laughs> an ulcer is a wound in your stomach. You need an endoscopy to actually tell you have an ulcer. But <laughs> what do you feel? Mm. So, oh, I have pain in my epigastric area. I get nausea. I get constipated. Mm. And then we can actually work towards, you know, maybe, you know, validating whether your diagnosis is correct or not. But it's true. Many people do self-diagnose. Uh, and it's, it's very common because even when they come to see us, they come with a specific idea about what what the issue is, what the issue is, and mm-hmm. what kind of help they want. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes you know you have to say, okay, maybe yes, we can address that, but maybe you want to think about A, B, C. Mm-hmm. So it's really um, 
just very important. I, I really hope many doctors can move into the functional medicine space because we actually are taught about preparing yourself for the therapeutic encounter. Okay. So they tell you, you know, never see a patient when you've just had a stressful phone call or when you're, you know, tired or something. Just mm -hmm. kind of collect yourself and then be present in the consultation. You know, don't be distracted and stuff like that. And it really helps because then you're able to listen and 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 help the patients with the with the challenges that they have. Okay. Mm. Well, thank you for reminding us because some people have really horrible experiences and, and we forget also that doctors are human. <laughs> yeah. Doctors, I mean, earlier before we started uh, the interview, we're talking about how doctors sometimes also have very unhealthy habits and uh, whether it's smoking, drinking or eating unhealthily. And that's just one of our things as human beings. It's like we know what's right, mm. but we fight it. Yeah, and I think that's being human. Mm -hmm. But um, like I was sharing earlier, I think what we need to do is to raise our level of awareness. Mm -hmm. Because, um, you know, I always ask people, you know, what is healthier? I just say, okay, look, an apple or a cake. And people like an apple. I say, what do you choose? Apple or a cake? Mm -hmm. Then it'll be 50-50 or maybe 60-40. <laughs> and then I ask, why? I say, well, because it's nice, you know, maybe because, it, you know, I enjoy it. Mm. And you begin to realize that when, when we have um, uh, no immediate consequences to our choices, we sometimes don't really appreciate that they are actually bad for us. Mm -hmm. And I think that's one of the challenges out there. I tell people, like whenever I'm you know, chatting with guys on social media or I'm just people ask me about a post, I'm like, that person is not sick. I can actually tell that you're not sick because you posted, you know, doctor, leave us alone. Life is short. If somebody's <laughs> yeah. been given a diagnosis of cancer, they don't make such comments. They're know, like, okay, what do I need to do? Yeah, what do I like, need to do? I mean, one time a lady came and she's like, I've not come to ask you for advice on what to eat. I've come to ask you whether what I'm going to do is okay. So I'm like, how, what do you want to do? So she had this bottle with like a green smoothie. She's like, I want to drink this. And she gave me the ingredients. There were like nine very healthy ingredients, but mm -hmm. stuff most people wouldn't drink. Mm -hmm. You know, okra, sukuma, wiki, broccoli, you know, all these kinds of things. She wanted to drink that uh, drink, about three liters of that per day, only that for a whole month. Okay. And I'm like, why would you want to do that? She's like, I have no choice. You see, they just told me I have cancer and I really have to do this. And it got me thinking that no person on social media would be able to drink that thing <laughs> three liters three months even if you told them how great it is mm -hmm. but once you say you have cancer suddenly you realize how important it is to be well yes so i think it's not about us frightening people into making healthy choices but finding the balance and understanding that yes once in a while i can have a, a treat i can eat what i like but most of the time i should try and be healthy mm -hmm. because no say everything what, in moderation. Yeah, because ultimately we reap what we sow. And, um, and so it's very sad. I, like to, I, I tell people it's so sad. For me, I feel so much pain mm -hmm. to see somebody, you know, struggling with something. And they say, I wish I, I did this better. I yeah. knew I shouldn't have done this, but I wish I did it better. So it's really just about trying to get that awareness and say, guys, you know what? I know you love your pork. I know you love your sausages and whatever, but... Mm -hmm. This stuff is not good for you if you eat all the time. Yes. You mentioned your love for children earlier. And at least in terms of lifestyle and nutrition and all mm. of this, most people say as adults, we're stubborn and normally it takes some kind of life event for you. Uh, your health uh, mm. is 
in jeopardy and then suddenly you're like okay i need to change everything but sometimes it starts with children basically having these habits and eating healthy from the time they're little is that something that you try to encourage for families as well yes <clears throat> i mean i strongly encourage that um because you know our children you know the children model their parents and children once they learn something it's easy to stay with it and even if you fall off it's easy to get back on it like i told you i used to be very athletic my dad was so much into sports so even when i don't play sports like someone have not been playing like i used to play tennis mm-hmm. sometimes i haven't played for 3 years and maybe within 30 minutes you know guys are like you know how come you really picked up <laughs> because i did it so much when i was younger mm-hmm. so it's very important for us to teach our children mm. early to eat well and you know children are not like adults they actually easily change and sometimes I'll, i'll have a mother say oh my child is a picky eater they don't eat well they won't eat healthfully and i'm like if you teach them what to do and if you get rid of the unhealthy foods and you bring healthier foods starting with fruit and nuts mm-hmm, within mm-hmm. a week this child is going to change so it's sometimes very important for us to to start this journey mm-hmm. in childhood i see it with my own kids i mean of course the challenge with children is you know even though you're very healthy at at home when they go to school they you know mm-hmm. they get these all these influences but i remember like my daughter she's 13 going on 14 she doesn't eat sausages you know up to now mm-hmm. and she won't eat it i mean one time we were out and i was like it will be disrespectful if we don't eat it mm-hmm. because people had prepared oh. and she's like no i'm not going to eat it the host asked her why won't you eat it and then she said you know because sausages increase your risk for cancer <laughs> and i was very shocked wow and um I began to realize that if you teach your children early they will reciprocate. And the two things I would like to really say especially to parents or anybody who is listening is you shouldn't force your children to eat well. Mm-hmm. Or to eat healthfully. You should teach them. Mm-hmm. And not You at, should be the example. Uh, yes. Mm-hmm. And never teach them at the dinner table or at the dining table when it's time to eat. That's not the time to say you need to eat vegetables. Oh. You need to have this discussion away from the meal times. Because like um when parents bring their kids to me I never tell their kids what to eat and what not to eat. I just mm. ask them. Just tell me 10 unhealthy foods and they'll just go off. You know, sausages, <laughs> cake, ice cream, pizza. I don't even have to say it. And then I'll say what are healthy foods and those that apples, bananas, tomatoes. I'm like, "Okay, why don't we spend some time eating more healthy food mm-hmm. and less healthy food?" And once you do that with kids, they will always say yes if it's not time to eat. Mm-hmm. And then as a parent so it takes you away from that pressure in the yes. moment. Mm-hmm. And all you have to do as a parent I say is just get rid of the food because I'm like how can you condemn your 8 year old of eating unhealthfully? They don't buy food. Mm-hmm. They don't cook food. So where do they get this stuff that you're complaining about? <laughs> you buy it, you put it there, you cook it, and then you're like my child eats unhealthy food. <laughs> Oh, so uh, thank you for saying that. I mm. think we love to live behind excuses. We mm. hide behind excuses. Like they want to take anything else, but the food is in the house. You've provided it, so that's the issue. As we wrap up, can you just tell me about your book Eat Your Way to Wellness? Um, when was it published? So it was published in December 2020. Okay. Um when I, did you start on it? I started writing it about 3 years before that. Mhm. I first wrote and wrote and wrote and I realized I had like an encyclopedia and it was so big and I was like I can't really publish and, and this. And this was the plan towards the book? 
No. So I had never written before. So I just thought you just get on your computer and you start writing. Okay. So I had no idea. I thought that, okay, you finish it to an editor. So when I finished, it was so big. <laughs> I had to spend another year trying to, you know, cut out some of the stuff that may not and be. And edit it down. Mm, yeah. Mm-hmm. But the experience was very uh, interesting for me because I found it very hard to finish because there was so much confusion in the food and nutrition space, even amongst the so-called experts. Oh. You know, you have one guy like my mentor. I have two guys I look up to. Mm-hmm. One is Joel Furman, the guy who mentored me first. Mm-hmm. He is like, you know, don't eat meat or eat very little. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the guy called Mark Hyman, who is the chairman of the Functional Medicine Institute, he's like, you know what? Our paleo ancestors ate meat, so eat meat, you know, in quite a good amount. And I'm like, it's so confusing. <laughs> like, if it's confusing for me, I'm wondering how the... Uh-huh. The common person is going to navigate this. So I had to spend time trying to understand, you know, the different principles and why is it that, you know, we people say different things. And I kind of realized that people talk about health from a different perspective. So if I have somebody who's trying to lose weight and they're struggling, in the short run, it may be fine to eat a high meat diet. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. long run is going to be bad for your kidneys, for your heart, for your colon. Yes. So sometimes the message is not, someone doesn't really explain. And then our paleo ancestors, and I'll explain about the book shortly, mm-hmm. they never had a long lifespan. That's what I was going to say. They died early. They, yeah. they died young. They died young, partly because life was rough. You wouldn't mm. really easily live into your 70s. So we never really had an opportunity to mm. know the long-term effects of their diet. But what I found is I decided to go towards the people who had lived longest and healthiest and the research around that. And I even also had a chance to interview people in Uganda, like my mother's aunt, who lived way into her 90s. Mm-hmm. Just asked them about how they eat. And eventually I realized that there are actually about seven principles that people need to follow. Okay. They're not rules, they're principles. And if you follow these principles you actually come out of this food confusion and you don't have to be a nutritionist, you don't have to be a scientist, you can actually navigate your way. Mm-hmm. And uh, maybe I'll just quickly take you through them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The first is 90% of your diet should come from plants. Okay. Animal foods are not bad, but we don't need too much. Okay. And our ancestors ate animal foods five times a year. Like my great-grand-aunt, mm-hmm. Christmas, Easter. Yes, it was a special <clears throat> occasion. Yeah, so mm-hmm. once a week is fine. That's the second principle. Eat animal foods together and once in a while. So if you're going to have animal foods, then feast. Mm -hmm. Have your chicken, have your goat, eat it for two, three days and then take a break. Mm. Don't eat it all the time. Don't eat it every day. So I say eat it only on the weekend. That's my recommendation. The third principle is eat real food, Mm -hmm. unprocessed, unrefined and natural. And we're lucky to be able to do that here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's a a nutrition writer called Michael Pollan. He says, don't eat anything that your grandmother could not recognize as food. <laughs> I like that. When I read that, I remembered my own grandmother because she lived with us for the last five or so years of her life. And whenever we ate cornflakes, she got the flakes and she crushed them in her hands. <laughs> and she asked, you know, son, what is this? She couldn't imagine that, you know, this is stuff this you're going is, to... You're going to start your day with. Yes, and then yes. I remembered and I'm like, she's actually right. So you just want to eat stuff naturally. Mm. Every time it's in a box, in a tin, in a paper, it's losing its nutritional value. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then the fourth principle is eat from a wide variety of colors and okay. eat from a wide variety of foods. You don't have to know blue is anthocyanins. Just eat different colors. colors. Mm. And the more colors you have on your plate, the healthier you'll be. The better. Fifth principle is half of your food should be fruit and vegetables. Hmm. 
That's manageable. Mm-hmm. Simple principle. Okay. The next 50%, this is the hard one, should not be cooked. That is a tough one. <laughs> it's a hard paper. It seems tough, but it's actually not that tough. But does that include uh, fruits as well? Yes. Okay, then. Mm. It includes fruit. So mm-hmm. you, and then the last one is half of your day should be spent fasting. At least half your day. So when we are talking about intermittent fasting that a lot of people are now promoting, that's kind of what you're looking at? Yes. So 12 hours a day, at least. At least. No food. Preferably 16. Hmm. Okay. Mm. Thank you. Some really good tips. How can we get a hold of your book, Eat Your Way to Wellness? Where would we find it? So um, in Uganda, it's only in in Aristoc and at our office. Okay. But it's also on Amazon. You can go on Amazon and you can get it there as a Kindle version or anywhere where Amazon sells. But maybe I can just give the number for people. If you go on any of our social media sites, you know, you can actually see our numbers there. And people just follow on Twitter or Facebook or whatever. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But the number is uh, 0701-450-450. For those who are listening. Oh, that's easy. 450450. Yeah. Okay. Or they can just go on our website, com, or go to Aristoc or just, you know, just go through our social media channels. They'll you know, provide ways in which people can contact us. Okay. Well, thank you so much for joining me on the Groove Cafe. Um, you don't sound anywhere near as drastic as some <laughs> of your tweets. <laughs> but again, it's mm. good to get people thinking and it's yes. good to get people to, you know, be uncomfortable. That's yeah, how you have real conversations. Book. Oh, really? Yeah. So I'll sign you a copy. Oh, and thank uh, you. I hope that you can read it and, you know, Mm-hmm. I, I need Let help you know. too I know <laughs> <laughs> but thank you very much for joining me Crystal it's been a pleasure absolute pleasure yeah. Groove Cafe